Hi everybody, it's Mike, it's Carrie Ann. <laughs> so how's your week been? Oh, you mean the week today, Monday? <laughs> oh yeah, should we do a little bit behind the curtains? We're recording this on a Monday, and when you're listening to this, it'll be Touchwood Friday. Um, yeah, as we said before, this is episode two, thank you for tuning in. If you listened to last week and Carrie with her, mm. um, I was very nearly second confession. <laughs> <laughs> well, so much stuff. It wasn't quite a confession, although... It was a lot. Guys, if we can get some video of the recording this day, we're actually in a mock-up of a courtroom, for reasons we'll explain at, at another time. Yeah. Um, but it seems confession seems to be... Yeah. Yeah, the right, the right word. Appropriate for this. Appropriate. But no, you, you kind of... You were really open, you are really honest, and it was... Yeah. It was, it was fascinating listening. It was... It, listening to it back, it was... Um, it was interesting, actually, to hear it all you know and listen to it back yeah but like we were saying earlier there's um so much to unpick yeah. and even though it, it took a long time an hour and a half my brain was still darting all over the place because i'm still in that stage of it where just it's like yeah i don't so, think you're finished with it just no, yet. No. Um, so maybe <laughs> with our so, so to let everybody know um over the coming weeks we have got some uh just incredible guests some mm-hmm. some people you you're not going to know them um, well, some of you might, some of you might know them. That's 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 unfair. Um, but there's some incredible stories, some really amazing people, fantastic people, and it's going to be really entertaining. And I think it's going to really spark some of our conversations as yeah. in part of that, isn't it? Because the stuff that you will know more about, the stuff that maybe I will know more about uh, with our with our guests coming on, uh, and it'll be good. So if you if you've liked what you've you've listened to so far. Uh, give us a like because that really helps with the podcast. Um, um, follow us, subscribe on your podcast provider um, because then you'll just get alerted every week when the episodes drop. You won't have to go looking for us and share it. You know, if you think there's other people, friends, relatives, your granny, whoever it might be. And if you want to skip that first part where we talk about <laughs> <laughs> You yeah. know, just push it along. It's fine. Yeah. We're not offended. Yeah, at this point, you probably, if you just go to sort of like minute 20 in the podcast. <laughs> we'll cut all that out. We'll, yeah, you'll be absolutely <laughs> fine. Um, so, yeah. So, um, this week's guest, who we're going to uh, interview, well, actually, Carrie. Carrie is going to be our parky for this week, aren't you, Carrie? I am, yeah. I'm going to be asking you some questions for James. Yeah, because this week's guest is... None other than Mike Jones. Yay. Yay. Uh, what we decided to do, guys, uh, to, to be totally honest, is uh, we didn't want to kind of get into this podcast without kind of revealing a little bit about who we are, um, just to kind of sort of like set the ground. Yeah. Yeah, and let people know what it's all about, really. Yeah, and it's nice to to get to know the people who are actually hosting the rest of it. Exactly. Um, exactly. And then the rest of it will probably make a bit more sense. Yeah. When you hear us talk about different things. Now Carrie's not done a podcast before and I think we, we alluded to that last week. It's I terrifying. It's not it is. It... I love talking, don't I? We know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, it's it is it is scary to speak openly. Yeah. About things. Because not everybody's comfortable with it. No. No. Um but I think that's kind of why we're here, isn't it? To spark the conversation, to get people talking about things. And maybe if you're listening to this podcast and this resonates with you, any of the topics we've got over the coming weeks and months and who knows, years, maybe. If any of this resonates and you're sat with a 
a friend, a family member, and you've never booked up the courage to have that conversation about these topics yourself, then maybe you know you can use this as a as a jumping off point. Yeah, it's a springboard, isn't it? Yeah, conversations about different things. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to take a little break, mm-hmm. and then when we come back, it is me. <laughs> We're delving into your past, and my my inner depths. Yeah. See you in a minute. So Mike does a lot of work um, yes. um, in and around mental health yeah. practices. Yes. So you were the mental health lead on the Spotlight Project. Yeah, over um, in Winsford. Yeah. Um, but tonight you're going to obviously talk a bit more about your lived experience. And obviously that you work in that field, but obviously you've got your own lived experience on mental health. Yeah. So we're going to go back. Yeah. Um, and we're going to, um, obviously, the same as you did with me, I've not asked you anything about this stuff yeah for the reason that i like it to be quite authentic when we're talking and it's a oh moment okay um so and I you can know. ask me anything yeah oh i will <laughs> oh, god. <laughs> oh god all right um but it, no i think it, it's it's good to do it that way because that way the conversation will just flow and we'll end up down some rabbit holes and you know and yeah. we end up where we end up um so let let's go back okay. to because I know last week you did mention that you'd worked in a bank and then you had a complete career change. Yeah. So at what point did you did you stumble upon working with YouthFed? Or was it a conscious decision that you'd gone, right, actually, I have some passion here for mental health and I want to work in that field? It was by design. I sought them out. Not necessarily wanting to work primarily in mental health, but wanted to work with people and being fascinated with psychology. I'll, I'll rewind back a little bit because yeah. there's a there's a there's an absolute journey that i that i go on so i always knew there was something about me that was different but it was never picked up in school it was never picked up in my teenage years with hindsight now it absolutely would have mm. there's enough flags now we you know in 2023 there was enough flags in my youth for people to go there's something different about him mm-hmm. um but i was born in the 70s and it just wasn't a discussion it just wasn't a topic um and i was fortunate in the respect that well if i t- if i tell you my two conditions um and i don't even like calling them conditions um they've caused me issues in the past but they've, they've not Fully, do you know what we mentioned this before? We talked about this before. I, I, you talk about words and stigma, and breaking down stigma is one of my biggest things. Yeah. Um, and the stigma around language and words, and just having a conversation and talking about things. And I'll hear words like mad and crazy, and mm. da 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 da, and it doesn't, it doesn't emotionally resonate with me. No. But I heard someone say the other day in a TV show, autistic spectrum disorder, mm. and I got really offended by the disorder. Right. Part of it. Okay. Because it was, I don't think I'm disordered. Okay, so hold up. Okay. Hold up. Hold up. So when you were talking about being little yeah. in school, yeah. you did you have character traits that then led to you? How did you... So, right, I'm going to have to word this better i don't think i'm making sense how did did you know that did you feel different or at some point did somebody say to you that your behavior was different 
it's it's frame of reference, isn't it? Mm, that's why I'm because I'm in my head it's normal because I don't know what's going on in anybody else's head. Right. So I was always the smart kid, mm-hmm. right? Which, if you if you're going to describe this sort of like the part of the spectrum I'm on the autism, it's definitely on the the, the higher end, um, the Asperger's end. Although we don't we do apparently we don't use the word Asperger anymore because apparently Asperger was a Nazi. Yeah. So that's kind of, but it is that end. Okay. So I don't have any issues with um with senses, with touch, with language, anything like that. Okay. But when I was like primary school, I was, in, I mean, I'm a, I'm an incredibly creative person anyway. But I was the kid who, in primary school, when every other um, kid was drawing their mums with a triangle skirt and a stick leg sticking out of each corner, I was drawing anatomically correct. Right. Okay. I struggled to read. Right about the say age of seven, seven, eight, I could barely read a word. Right. And then a teacher introduced me to Roll Doll, Red Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, and it was like someone flicked a switch. Hmm. By the age of nine, I had a reading age of fifteen. Okay. It just went. Yeah, so you really. Now, when you when you if you were to look at a child now and go, look at that development, look yeah. how that that has just switched to the point it's like super developed. Yeah. Look at that hyper detail. That is not what we'd expect to see from a child of that age. Yeah. Someone now would go, well, he's functioning, he's fine, he's happy. Yeah. But we need to keep an eye on it because there's obviously signs of of neurodiversity there. Okay. Um. So that was always there. Now, the thing with neurodiversity is, and if there's anybody out there who, who I won't say suffer, I hate the word suffer. Mm. I, I don't, personally for me, I don't suffer with it. Mm. It's just a difference in thinking. Yeah. You know, if you work on Android, I work on iOS. I'm just on, yeah. I'm just on a different operating system. Um, where was I going with that? Yeah, it was, you know, I was functional. I was fine. I was happy. Mm-hmm. I was doing well in school. <laughs> Um, but yeah, anybody with a diagnosis of neuro, neurodiversity often will have what they call a comorbidity, right. a dual diagnosis. There'll be another thing. And my other thing developed in my mid-teens, um, which is not unusual. Yeah. For a lot of people's mental health issues are triggered in adolescence. Tie yeah. that in with, with a trauma. I lost my granddad, who I was really close to unexpectedly. Um, he'd been poorly, but still... You know, he went into yeah. hospital the one day and he didn't come home, and that was really unexpected. Um, at that point, then I noticed my moods begin to change. Now, and still at this point, I didn't get a diagnosis of what was going on with me. But through my 20s and into my early 30s, my moods were very high, elevated, but then, frankly, depression. Okay, so you're up and down. Up and down. And that came later, so there was obviously the stuff in school. Yeah. Where you were... So the neurodiversity was there right from the off. Yeah. That, um, was, that was always there. Yeah. And there was the, a section when you were a teenager where there was some of the stuff. There was stuff going on. The te- when the teenage years happened, yeah. the, the, the mood affecting disorder, which I'll describe in a moment, yeah. that started to kick in. Yeah. But still, not severe enough for me to warrant getting... <sighs> You know, yeah. any sort of medical intervention for it. Yeah. You know, but in my mind, yeah, I I struggled with those years, yeah. social anxiety. Because you touched on that last week. Yeah. If you, very briefly, you said well, what I'd said about me being a real go-getter yeah. at that age. And, and my take on that, looking back at myself, was that I was 
out of a comfort zone anyway. So I was like, well, I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. Um, you, that was really like foreign to you, wasn't it? Like yeah. what? And now I understand why. Yeah. Because you didn't have that experience of your teenage years. You were the complete opposite. I was the complete opposite. Right. Very, very introverted. Very, it's kind of weird. My, it sometimes feels like my life is a whole sort of like parallel universe sometimes. Because as much as I was very introverted and really quite shy by nature, um, you know, what I always wanted to do was stand in front of people and talk. Mm. Now, there's a little part of me that's a frustrated comedian. You know, so Even me yeah. <laughs> I mean, some of my biggest heroes in life are people like you know Billy Connolly and Robin Williams, yeah. and to look at people who can stand on a stage and 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 talk and just free flow like that, yeah. that is like that's my that's my holy grail, and I kind of in a strange way, that's where I've I've actually come round to. I was going to say because you are outwardly very good at public speaking from what I've seen. Yeah, I stages don't bother me. I'm. I can dance on stage in front of thousands of people. Done that. Yeah. But if you ask me to open my mouth in yeah. front of all those people, that's horrible. I just do well, not in, like it. In the same respect, put me on a stage with my topic, mm. right, and I will perform to an audience, to a big audience, yeah, because I'm in control. A bit of a control freak, I'll be honest. Yeah. Uh, I'm in control of that situation. Ask me to walk into a room with strangers and network yeah. with bloody rabbit ears. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I want to run. Don't want to do it. Like family parties, weddings, social yeah. events where you just got to do the small talk. I get that. Is completely uncomfortable. And in my twenties, I mean, I, I work for um, they'll remain nameless, not 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 because of any particular reason, but um, I worked at a large American bank in Chester. Mm. And for the seven years I worked there, I think I went to one Christmas party. Yeah. Because they just the the fear, the dread, the anxiety that kicked in, I would literally get changed to go out, sweat so much I had to get changed again. And is it the small talk? See, I, I completely get that. Yeah. And anyone who knows me well hmm. knows that I do not, I don't like small talk. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's not good for me. I don't like yeah. it. it the same as you, it, it almost makes me feel... Well, I suppose it does make me feel a bit anxious. You know, I can do a bit of it. Like, yeah. There's a part of my brain that's just going, it's like that scene from Sherlock. Yeah. There's a part of my brain that's going, bored! <laughs> yeah, I need to leave immediately. Yeah. Um, and it just, it, emotionally, it really drains me. Mm. Um, which is really, like, again, it sounds really random because you would assume that a deep conversation would be draining, but it's actually the opposite for me. Yeah, I thrive uh, on that. I do like the energy of it. I like to get in, stuck in. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, you sit me around a table with a group of people talking about the house prices around there. I just want to... Yeah, like, oh, no. Yeah. Not. Sorry, I just need to go. Yeah, I've got yeah, to go now. That, my cat needs... Yeah. But do you think that that is part of who you are with your... Do we call it conditions? I'm not very up on the... You know, the... I suppose the old conditions, yeah, yeah um, diagnosis. But then that makes me think maybe we're all a little bit on the spectrum somewhere. I hear that a lot. Do you think? And no, I'm going to shoot it down I a little bit. Well, I don't know enough about you, see, which yeah. is why I'm throwing the question out there. Neurodiversity, yeah. you are wired differently. Okay. So it can actually be brain scanned. Mm -hmm. So someone who is genuinely neurodiverse, yeah. my I will look different if you, if you scan my brain. Okay. Um. Yeah, but that's not taking away that's yeah, some people you know, everybody has their insecurities and their traits and so on and so forth. 
Um, Do you think it just that in some people, especially nowadays, because it, obviously we are talking about it a lot more, we're diagnosing a lot more children with these conditions, aren't yeah. we? Do you think it's because we're more aware of it and we know yeah. more about it? Yeah. And But sometimes it's so mild well, that I... people just don't go and get it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of well, I'll, I'll, the, the the mood affecting disorder I'm I'm talking about is yeah. is cyclothymia, which is a milder version of bipolar disorder. Right. Um, and you know the experts will tell you there are more people undiagnosed than there are diagnosed, mm. just because the nature of it is it's not it's not severe enough to warrant intervention, but it okay. will impact your life. Yeah. So for you who doesn't who doesn't suffer from a mood affecting disorder. If you kind of think the best way to try and I'm, I'm trying to give you a visual image there for the people listening to this. Mm. If you think about the Earth, think about the equator, and you think about your poles. Yeah. Okay, so bipolar, it's two ends of the mm-hmm. pole. With mania, manic, that's why you used to be called manic depression. Yeah. With the mania being at the at the North Pole and um, the depression being at the South Pole. Now, most people's lives will run along the equator with ups and downs as life experience will give you that. highs and lows you know traumas and good times yeah okay so no one's life is linear no absolutely right you've got to be brain dead right so it's not a flat line for anybody someone with a diagnosis of bipolar though will shoot up yeah to the pole and back down to the other end of the pole yeah and that's their moods Mm -hmm. so they will go through severe depression some people there's different diagnosis of bipolar disorder i'm not an expert on yeah. it but they will go through like real low depression and, and potentially life-threatening depression yeah okay that needs medical intervention mm-hmm. uh but they will also have the highs the manic highs yeah. the euphoria the grandiose ideas the racing thinking yeah. you know where the brain is just in that that manic okay. phase yeah. yeah and you'll find a lot of people in the creative industries well, because when that high kicks in, the the work you can get done, the creativity you can get done off the back of that is just incredible. Yeah. Mind cyclothymia. So if that's crashing waves, yeah. if that's like perfect storm yeah. kind of tsunami type thing, uh-huh. mine is big waves, surfing waves if that makes yeah. sense yeah so you does. kind of get i'm trying to give a visual yeah, it does. so it's 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 higher it's higher than you right so my depression when it happens and the thing with 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 the condition as well it has to be something that happens regularly and yes it can be triggered but normally i will i will know it's gonna if it's in my depends. year i'm gonna get occasions of it okay so my depression is more like feeling detached feeling a bit numb feeling switched off yeah. losing in, well, you say losing interest in things. Sometimes your head can be just in this bit of a. There's so much sort of like going on with the loop tape that you yeah. kind of the stuff that you're interested in, you just can't seem to concentrate on it. Yeah. So, but I have I have mechanisms for that, and, and so one of the big things when I go because I go into schools and speak to young people and I talk about self care. I stumbled across self care in my twenties and thirties, really, and got better at it. It's been a bit of a journey for me. Yeah. So long, even long before I got a diagnosis, yeah, I, I talk knew. About that. Yeah, there was, there was. I knew that if I looked after myself and did certain things, mm. I would feel better and it will ease me out of it. And if I didn't, if I lived an unhealthy lifestyle, it would I, be worse. I, yeah, it would drag me down. Yeah. So I'm very aware of that now. So if I do feel myself getting into a bit of a low, 
then I'll think. What do you do? How do you pull it back? Because this is interesting. Or if you don't mind me asking, are you medicated for this, or is it something no. that you can cope with yourself? Yeah, okay. never needed medicated. Although I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm 51, um, so it's probably not likely to change. However, that's not impossible. People can conflict between psychothymia and bipolar. Right. So there's always a danger it could. I've never heard of it, you see. Have you not? No. Never the cyclothymia, you've heard of bipolar. Yeah, I've heard yeah. of bipolar, yeah. Yeah, so it's a milder version of it. I think as as most mental health conditions are, we're now understanding that most of these things are on a spectrum anyway because we're all unique individuals with our different you know, genetics, yeah. DNA, life yeah. experiences, so on and so forth. Yeah, so and like you said before about you know when people are, nobody is a straight line. Yeah. Um. And everybody is going to experience highs and lows of some form. Yeah. There was a quote that I read um, not so long ago about, you know, an abnormal reaction to an abnormal situation is yeah. a normal reaction. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah. you know, you're not necessarily having a mental health crisis if you're having a reaction to something that's triggered, you know, it's been yeah. triggered by something. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to hear you talk about an actual condition that yeah. isn't necessarily triggered by something, but you know it's coming. It's, I'll, I'll, t- I'll talk about this a little bit more yeah. in a moment, but it's absolutely genetic. Okay. It's absolutely genetic. Um, that's my understanding, at least, anyway, and it certainly is in my case. Okay. But yeah, self-care. So I know if I'm going into a dip, and they can come just, like I say, it's like the changing of the weather. Yeah. So I know I'll, I'll make sure I eat well, make sure I try and avoid alcohol, make sure I get a good night's sleep. That's a biggie. You know, make sure to get some fresh air and exercise. Yeah. I know my five sort of like elements of, yeah, of self-care. Make sure I keep up healthy connections and stuff like that. Yeah. So as much as the part of my brain wants to kind of hide away a little bit, I kind of, because I've got self-awareness and knowledge have been two of the most important things in my life. 100%. So I know when I start to get into those dips, then, yeah, I know to apply the self-care a little bit more rigorously. Yeah. I'm always conscious of it anyway. Yeah. You know, you don't start maintaining your car when it breaks down. No. You know, to run your vehicle, you, you, you maintain it right the way through. You try to. Yeah. Do your best. You do your best, but you yeah. fall off. Everybody falls off yeah. the wagon. I mean, like I say, I'm off to, I'm off to Berlin tomorrow. <laughs> it's Oktoberfest. I'm going to do I don't think there's going to be an awful lot of self-care going on. Exactly. But in, in, in you know, the counter-argument to that is, though, that two-day break away from the norm doing something different is self-care. Yeah. So. And you, like you say, if you're very aware of yourself, yeah, and you can feel when things are starting to slip. Mm. Like I generally, I know what's good for me. Obviously, yeah. I work in that environment of yeah. fitness and self care and things like that. Um, and I can feel when, and it's usually there's a trigger. Yeah. Um, and they're usually big triggers as well. I generally don't suffer too much with yeah. changing moods and stuff, but I can feel when I'm about to spiral yeah. and things. But I and I also always know. Yeah. Oh, you know, you've not been sleeping enough. You yeah. Know? doing stupid things you're not eating enough fats yeah. you know because hormones for women and things like that so yeah. it is about keeping on top of those things the best that you can yeah. and then you know pulling it back yeah. when you feel like you're losing your grip a little bit. but i've even i even discovered because we thought about this before I me mean, we're both music fans and music means an awful lot to me yeah. and i've got a playlist that it's actually called it's on my iphone it's called haunted right and it's dark music does it help you cry no. Do you have songs like that? It's not. Yeah, I know there are certain songs that'll that'll kind of like set you off. Set me like, off. Oh, but, I need a good cry. I'm going to put that on. Yeah, it's not that. 
okay. it's just quite dark music and it's kind of indulgent. So I had this theory that what we tend to do, I think, in, in society is we're kind of allowed, society says indulgible moods, mm. right? So if you're feeling happy, if you're feeling joyful, if you're feeling calm, all those are good places to be. Yeah. But as soon as you say, I'm in a, what you might describe as a negative mood, if I'm feeling low, if I'm feeling down, I'm yeah. feeling sad, society goes, oh, no, don't. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, don't. Oh, don't, don't do, do that. that. Don't yeah. do that. Okay. Oh, don't I cry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, I, I could have thought of that myself. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, you need to cheer up. <laughs> Don't you? I know that we're being <laughs> my friends and me still laugh because we were having a conversation um, about anxiety, I think it was, and I can't remember if it was me or my friend Anna yeah. that, was, that said that. Yeah, but just don't. And we... we oh, don't, I never thought we, of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we do know better. Yeah. But it was just one of those moments. And then obviously we got ripped to death and they were like, oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I didn't think of that. But... People are uncomfortable with, I think, people are still uncomfortable about talking about it. Obviously, we talk about it more now than ever. Yeah. But I think it's a vulnerability thing as well. Like, I'm quite happy to say to my closest friends, oh, God, and we've got a great circle around us where we're like, I feel awful. And we're spiraling and this is happening. So we've got that network that we can talk to, and that's really important. But like on social media as well, the actual power of sharing when you're in that mindset. Do you remember, you know, just putting on like what is going on with the moods and then people are opening up Yeah. because generally everybody's struggling at some point and they need that community to talk about it. But we don't do that very well, do we? We don't, we don't. And I never, for years, I bottled it up, I pushed it down, I didn't deal with it. So my playlist of dark music... What does it do for you? It just indulges the emotion. Okay. And I'll get like 30 to 40 minutes into it and it kind of feels like it's fed that part of my psyche that is, when I'm in that depressive mood, it's quite right. quite a dark place anywhere. And it feels like it's crying out for food. Okay. So the play, I know this sounds weird. Yeah, but I'm I'm very interested in it because I, yeah. I can kind of see it from... The last thing I want to hear is for all singing happy. No. That's going to th- that's gonna make me throw my phone yeah. across the room. You need music that's going to take you where you need to go. Yeah. And yeah. I need to to come out of that emotion. Yeah. I've absolutely got to be in that emotion and yeah. accepting of that that emotion and that mood and just work yeah. through it. Don't bypass it. No. Because there's a lot of bypassing. Yeah. Um, Accept because, it for what it yeah, is. Because people don't want to talk about it. Or yeah. they go, oh, no, I'll be positive and it will go away. Like, it's not going to go away. You're just burying it. But also, it's kind of, it's not. It's that understanding that it's the condition. It's not that I've got a bad life or no, things no, are going wrong in no. work because they're not. Yeah. You but know. even if they were. But even if they were, yeah. this is going to happen yeah. anyway. Just don't avoid the feelings yeah. and go with it. I'm, I'm um, a strong believer in that, yeah. you know, because for years, obviously, I was, I won't, I'm not going to use the word brain dead because that would not be fair to myself. <laughs> but for years, I had subconsciously switched off yeah. you know my emotions yeah and then um for myself yeah and then when I come back round and did the work and went in and had the therapy about mum dad and all the rest of it and then now I'm a big believer in if I'm feeling something I've got to get it out yeah which is why I think you're really going to enjoy breath work Jess and Nick. yeah I've signed up for breath work yeah. in November haven't I um because you because we shouldn't bypass those things and yeah. we need to be able to release them and I love that the fact that you've yeah. got that 
that you do that, that you've got the music and you go there with it. For yeah. me, I, the reason I asked you before about, you know, medication and stuff, um, I have a fear of it. Of medication? Yeah, yeah, I've never been comfortable with it. No. Now, I understand that for some people it's incredibly essential. Oh, There's I know no people options. who are... If but, we were on medication, yeah. they wouldn't. They would not be here now yeah. if it wasn't for it. But for me, um, I think it's partly because I saw what it did to my mum as well. Maybe yeah. subconsciously that's the trigger. But I like to feel what's going on. Yeah. Because I just want to work through it. Yeah. And it might be hellish for a few yeah. weeks, but I want to get yeah. it out. Um, and I'm very big in our house. I always ask the boys yeah. every single day, "How's your day been?" Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah. I mean, I think they must think, gosh, she's asking me if I'm okay yeah. again. Yeah. But nobody asks if you're okay. No. Or they do, but it's a passing, you okay? Hi, you okay? You all right? Funnily enough, I don't know whether you watched it, but Roman Kemp did this uh, BBC documentary a little while ago because one of his best friends and his radio producer took his own life. Yeah, I didn't see it, but I saw it. And it's, if you can go back and find it, it's fascinating. But one of the things that came out of that now is this now this premise of ask twice. Yeah. Because we're very British and we'll say to you, you know, I could walk up to you with your arms severed, you know, gushing blood, and I'll say, hey, how are you doing? And you'll go, you'll be very British and go, oh, I'm absolutely fine. fine. <laughs> Don't worry. I mean, is that your carpet? So sorry. Yeah, yeah it's right. true. And it is, it, we kind of, we just do that social we norm do. of, yeah, I'm fine. How are you? And it's a way of saying hello. Yeah. Are you all right? Yeah. Yeah. But then you ask again. Right. Okay. Right. So if you've got a friend that you're kind of a bit worried about, hey, how are you doing? Yeah, okay, I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, all good. Yeah, have to ask me to ask me. Yeah. But then you kind of like, you lean in and you go, yeah, now how are you? Yeah. Because asked again, you'll, it kind of, it, it, it'll trigger something. It'll trigger something. It'll, yeah. it'll reach you in a place. But I do ask. Yeah. That's what I do with the boys all the time. Yeah. Okay. And I think because, no, I would say nobody asks, but actually I don't think many, when I was a youngster, yeah. I don't think many people asked really. No. We do the social nice too. Yeah. How are you? How are you? Yeah. And I always say, I am interested. Yeah. And if you have got a problem, you can come to me and tell me about anything. Yeah. I don't want you to feel that you can't ever. No, we cover and we mask yeah. and we bury these things down. And I, I'm better at it now because, like I say, I just, I discovered the self care. But in my, in my twenties, there was, there was a period in my life that I didn't know which one was the real me. And you know what was kind of happened around about the same time that kind of triggered. It, well, no, it wasn't triggering. But it kind of made it more aware for me. Right. Now, I'm a movie fan. Um, <laughs> that's the chair, by the way. It's not. It... <laughs> yeah. I'm a movie fan. And what happened in the early 90s, I mean, tie this in with the fact that it was a quiet of, you know, you're dealing with, like, grunge music and stuff like that. Mm. But do you remember the film Batman Returns? The one with Michael? Michael Keaton and that Michelle Pfeiffer. as Batman film ever. The theme that runs through that, I mean, it's comic book, it's Batman. It's that. fun. Yeah. But the theme that runs through that film is of identity and which one is the real person. Okay. Is it Bruce Wayne or is it Batman? Is it Selina Kyle or is it Catwoman? Interesting. Which is the real identity? Yeah. And that film arrived at a time when my moods were really going backwards and forwards. Mm. And I was really struggling with, is, is, this, is this me? Okay. Is this is the euphoric happy me the real me, or the lo- yeah, or the low depressed me? Which one? Because it felt like there was there's no a point where ground. I felt yeah, it felt like there was a point where it was it felt like split personality. Right. 
That must have been fairly terrifying. Yeah, and it's weird, but I didn't. Again, it was that it's you don't. We I'm, I'm, and a man as well. Yeah, men are terrible for this. We don't talk about it. We don't reach out. No. You know. So, which one's the real me? And I kind of come to the conclusion that they both are. Yeah. Right. And that is, I studied. Because I was kind of fascinated, here's the weird thing. You take someone with a mood-affecting disorder, someone with, with you know, high-end autism. Mm. The high-end autism has kind of, in some respects, saved me because it made me very aware. It made me very conscious and quite empathetic anyway. Okay. You know, that, I, I, I would use the word empath. Yeah. But that makes it sound like some sort of, like, science fiction character. Well, no, I get that. Yeah, I think it's just, I'm just... I notice it because I'm fascinated with body language, nonverbal communication, yeah, and feeling the I am quite, energy in the room. Yeah, yeah I'm really kind of I'm kind of emotionally tuned in like that. And if there's something going on with you, I can usually spot it. Right. Uh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because so mm. you your that for you comes from um, the autism. Sorry. Yes, yeah. that will come from the autism. So that from me. I think it's initiated from reading the room at home, yeah, and being very hyper aware, yeah, um, which actually isn't the same as yeah. being an empath. However, yeah, I am yeah. an empath, so I've had both sides of that. Yeah, where I've been hyper alert for the wrong reasons, where I've yeah. been like, "Oh my god, she looks cross. It must be my fault." Yeah. You know, like terrible. And then when I'd realised that that was going on, um, and sort of got a grip of that yeah you know the world's problems are not yours yeah. just because you've walked into yeah. the room yeah yeah <laughs> doesn't yeah. mean she's angry with you it's yeah. fine yeah um and i have this deep understanding and deep um reading of people yeah still even though i've crossed the other yeah. the more unhealthy way of it yeah. so it's how people get those um skills i think it's a skill well it's, it's really yeah i mean it's skill. kind of it's it, my life's been kind of weird in that respect was because i, I love psychology and i went in and i studied that um, I studied that to degree level. Um, this is a long other story. I did the first year of a degree, got a job at MBA in Chester. Went I said I wasn't going to mention MBA. Well, <laughs> MBA. Back I did it first year of a degree. Went to Danton Ibiza. Mike, you said you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did yeah. you go back after your first year? Or not? Well, I kind of like. I kind of no. I joined. I joined the circus in reverse. Mm. I kind of ran away from the circus and joined the normal world. I, I got a I got a summer job and stayed there seven years oh, right. because it was the nineties and it was yeah. Britpop and it was that kind of like money yeah. and it was kind of yeah it was exciting and fresh and I just stayed, um, which was a bit of a shame and I and I and in some respects I don't know it'd be tricky to go back and study the the psychology degree level now but I've become a bit of an autodidact anyway so yeah I'm you've kind of, kind of gone full circle yeah I'm kind of self field, yeah right? because I work in it and I've got a lived experience I'm kind of self taught in that area so i'm always always fascinated in people what i understand now which i didn't understand then is the autism kind of do a do a jump in here right so i'm i'm, I'm fascinated body language i'm very good at reading people yeah. i'm very good at like you know reading the room and stuff like that and yeah. i've worked a lot in you know when i was doing that 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 financial world that part of my life which is like 15 years it was about people and reading people and and communication and i kind of took that with what i'd learned about psychology and then brought that through my working life to the point where i am now with always one eye to i don't want to be just doing a job that's about making someone else rich mm. you know? yeah it's not fulfilling Absolutely. it's empty it's an empty feeling it really is yeah 
So I wanted to be in a place where I was, I was, um, you know, I was giving that back, um, or giving something back, which led me to actually hunting out the place where I work now and working with young people and working with adults and, and, you know, do, having that whole mental health discussion and talking about, I work with a, with a, with a brilliant lady called Emma, who is a 30 year veteran of, you know, NHS and teaching and coming from that sort of academic side of it, yeah. professional side of it and me where I come from. This is what my lived experience has been, you know, you know, through that. Okay. The reason I could, I've sort of like swirled through well, that exactly. is because I didn't actually get the diagnosis until my middle 40s. Okay. And it was with Emma, my colleague, who we'd been working together then about 18 months. And we were actually on our way for a Christmas meal. Um, and she said to me on the way there, she said, I hope you don't mind me asking this. She said, and please don't be offended. But have you ever been diagnosed as being on the spectrum? I went, spectrum? You mean autism? She went, yeah. I went, no. Because in my mind, autism was rain map. When you see autism um, portrayed in the media, it's the person that can't hold the conversation, can't make eye contact, doesn't like the touch. You it's know, so broad now, though, isn't socially it? cannot yeah. connect. And my end of the scale just wasn't represented. Yeah. So that hadn't even been on my radar. And then she explained it to me. So now I understand the autism is, whereas I can't make eye contact, I can make eye contact and I'll read you. Yeah. You know, I can I can hear. I'm I'm sensitive to sounds and noises. <laughs> she's she's shifting uncomfortably in the chair as I say <laughs> this. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Um I can I can't turn it on and off. It's all right. God. Yeah. Um which is a, a weird thing in and of itself. Um Yeah, so it makes me hypersensitive to things. Mm. So I'm kind of okay with touch, but oh God, I don't know if I should say this. I am sort of like hyper ticklish, hypersensitive right. in places. Um, yeah, noise. If I go into, if I go into a room where now here's a weird thing, right? It's not, it's not the noise. It's conversations. So I can go to a rock gig and it's loud and it's, you know, it's big. Yeah. Right. Absolutely not an issue with that. But put me in a room where there's a lot of conversations going on. My brain wants to listen to every single one. Oh, me too. I can't, yeah, and I can't Picking switch. Up, and you're listening with one ear. And yeah, listening. and I'm literally like, I cannot concentrate yeah. on you because they've just said yeah. something interesting yeah, yeah. and what they said over That's there. That's just called no- nosy. Nosy, yeah, maybe it's just, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm pathologically yeah. nosy. Um, but yeah, it's like the brain won't, and I'm jealous of people. It's like, how do you just concentrate and focus and shut that off? Because I can't. Do you think that getting your diagnosis in your 40s do you think it changed anything for you do you think that you like has it ticked a box to make you or, or really actually is it just something that you've gone there um, still made it's you know it's not made any difference to your life kind of thing well i'd, I'd say I, I didn't need any sort of medication or anything like that or any extra help because i was managing it anyway yeah. i just didn't know what it was but the awareness of it now was a game changer Okay. Funny enough, you said you said an interesting word before um, vulnerability. Yes. There was a couple of, you know, when you kind of get those things that just kind of all meet at the same time in your life, and you just you just get this crossroads of events that happen. I do, yeah. Right. 
so, 2023. Well, funnily enough, yeah. yeah. Well, right about that same time, I'd stumbled. Someone said, have a look at TED Talks. I was rattling through TED Talks one day. And then I stumbled across somebody called Brené Brown, yes. who is my absolute yeah. guru now. And she's a shame researcher. Mm -hmm. And she did these two TED Talks. And the first one is, is absolutely talking about vulnerability and how vulnerability is often this swear word. Yeah. But she said, vulnerability is the ultimate show of courage. Of course it is, yeah. But I hadn't... But why would you in a society that, why, that, that, that shames it? Yeah, that we carry around this shame. Yeah. So there's a amount of people there that won't talk about what's going on because yeah. of the shame, because they don't want to put themselves out there and be vulnerable. Now, that was very much me. I kind of, you know, a very sketchy history in terms of relationships. I would scupper relationships before they started because it was easy to do that then. And throw myself, you know, into it and accept it. You know, the fear of being hurt was bigger than the fear okay. of, of what could be great out of this. So that was my my question on that. Yeah. You know, in, in what way were you running away from it? So it was oh, the, yeah. the the fear of being vulnerable with somebody because in your brain it's like this is going to hurt somewhere down the line. So I'm yeah. gonna get out now. Before yeah. I would think of every happens. reason how it could go wrong, or I wouldn't be accepted, or people wouldn't like me, or da 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 da. This negative loop take that we're going yeah. on. You're not good enough. You're not. You're not this. You're not that. Yeah. I know I put on a lot of bravado, yeah. You know, so I'd be Mister Confident in the room, yeah. you know. But I was very much masking just this inner, you're not good enough, right? Okay, yeah. So don't ask him what she says away. now. Few that got away, yeah, because you just couldn't go there. At that I point. wouldn't go there. I'd make excuses. I'm not ready for a relationship. Or da 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 da. Mm. And then Brené Brown came along, and she was talking about vulnerability and courage. And, and to paraphrase it a little bit, she, she said, a firefighter runs into a burning building. You think about those firefighters at 9-11 who run into that burning building, burning buildings, mm. knowing they might never come out. And you would say, they're courageous. That's courage. She says, but for them to do that, they have to accept their ultimate vulnerability, which is they're not going to come out. And many of them didn't. And that is the ultimate vulnerability. But she said, the moment you accept that you're going to get hurt, to be vulnerable is accepting that you're going to get hurt, that it's not going to end well. Yeah. But it's the only way you get you get courage. It is. It's the only way you build resilience. It's the only way that you learn. Yeah. It's the only way that you get stronger. It is. And you it's know. the only way that you, you live, that you yeah. have life experience. Yeah. Otherwise, you're not living, are you? You're not living. You, and you for are, years, I don't think I was. No, you, you're existing because yeah. you aren't um, allowing yourself the experiences that come with yeah. it. And it is terrifying. Yeah. If and you I, know something's going to kick your teeth in, which yeah. you, you can see it coming, yeah. but you're like, ah, oh, I'm going to go with it anyway. Yeah. But you've had that experience yeah. and then you've learned from it and it might be... And I accepted it, and it was that that light bulb moment of. Did that change things for you? Then absolutely. You, so you then went head first. You you gave those relationships a chance. Yeah. Those types of things. And I'll be honest, I've been kicked in the teeth a couple of times. Haven't we all? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's life, though, isn't but it? But that's life, and it was kind of like, oh God, I've come through it, and I've learned, and I'm stronger. Yeah. And I'm and I'll do it better now, and I'll do it different, or maybe that just wasn't the right person, or yeah. da 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 da. But better that you've done that. But than better the... than I've done it. It's funny because when um, it was when my yeah when my dad died, I think I'd um, made a comment about oh god you know why it almost made me feel like 
like, why would you have kids? Why why am I here? You know, the yeah. pain was so intense yeah. that it almost makes you want to shut down. And then you, your brain, because you're thinking of your brain, so you start thinking all oh, things like, you know, if I could go back, I would just be me. Yeah. And I wouldn't give my emotions to anyone. Yeah. And I wouldn't have to care about anyone. Yeah. Because then I wouldn't get hurt. And I actually thought that for like a good few weeks. And then I was like, well, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. But the pain sometimes is so intense that you immediately go back to that. Like, I'm never doing that again. Yeah. Because you I go into a bit take of an emotional it. shutdown. Yeah. Because I don't want to feel it and I yeah. don't want to, don't want to do that again. But then, you know, you, you rationalize it and you realize that, like you say, you have to feel. Yeah. Otherwise you're not alive. Yeah. You're literally existing. Yeah. And for the, for the years since my life, I mean, family members will tell me we don't recognise the man you asked the man you used to be, genuinely. Yeah, which is great. And I, do you know what? And I, it's weird because I even look at old photographs of me and I kind of speak about him, huh. like in the third person. I get that, though. I do get that because this year especially, yeah, I have said a few times to people, I am more me now yeah. than I have ever been. Yeah. And some people get it. Yeah, who have probably been through maybe some trauma and things like that in their life, they yeah. get it. Yeah, because they're like, yeah, yeah, I understand what you mean. You've kind of come yeah. through. And some people won't get it. It's like, well, you still carry. Yeah, like, yeah, I am, but internally, I'm me now because yeah. I've sort of shed this like false me. Yeah, that was shut down and yeah, wasn't feeling and stuff. So I get that because I don't I. I don't want to say I was brain dead because I know I laughed about it before. Yeah. But for 20 years, probably I was... Masking. Yeah. And, and now not, you're more authentic. Yeah, and now I am me. And I think that's why, you know, it was around that point, probably started three years ago, after I'd been through therapy with my dad and stuff, when I started to build the business and, yeah. you know, do the work, call it do the work. Yeah. Um, and under- try and understand myself a bit more. Yeah. And, you know, like things like pushing through yeah. when things were difficult. Because you see these cycles where whenever things used to get difficult for me in certain roles and jobs, mm. as soon as it became a point where, oh, my God, they're expecting a bit more from me. Yeah. I was fully capable. Yeah. But unless I could be perfect at it, yeah. I'd be like, oh, I don't like it anymore. I'm going to leave. Yeah. And I'd done that loads of times. My friends, some of my friends are like, you've done so many jobs. But it took a while for me to be like, why am I doing that? Yeah. And then when I realised this year, I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. I'm sticking with what I'm doing, but I'm also loving what I'm doing now. Yeah. So it's different. But you've got to go through that period of of transition, I guess. Yeah. Because you, like you say, you don't recognise the person you were. Yeah, not at all. And it's for me now, it sounds a bit kind of like, you know, hippy-dippy, I suppose, but my, my focus now is to, is happy. Yeah. You know, find out. I mean, to kind of put that into like an employment point of view, you know, I came, you know, when I started working and working in that financial sector, you know, success was the promotion, the managerial role. Yeah. The da 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 Climbing the ladder. Climbing the ladder, climbing that ladder. Now, I do a job now where I don't want that. I could go back to it. I've got management qualifications coming out my ears. Yeah. If I threw myself back into that world, they'd probably snap me up. But I don't want it because it doesn't make me happy. Well, that's a really great place to be, isn't it? Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. So I, I, I do a role now where my days are different. I'm meeting new people. Yeah. I'm, it's given me 
growth and development and I'm always learning something new, you know, and it's challenging and it's, and it's testing. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. It is probably, in terms of stress, yeah. more stressful right. than what I did when I was working in finance. Yeah. But because there is meaning behind it, because there is fulfillment behind it, I don't feel the stress. Because my stress isn't anxiety stress. Yeah. It's kind of like happy stress. Yeah, because you're enjoying what you're doing. Yeah. So you can, I, I guess it's almost like you can push through that. I think that's what gave yeah. me the strength to push through my imposter syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, shut up. Yeah. Like you, this is what you enjoy doing. Like, you love yeah. it. And as you know, obviously, it's grown and the different jobs offshoots were in a similar sort of thing yeah. where it's really varied what yeah. we do is varied but I completely get that as well there was one point where I really wanted to you know I was doing a bit of acting and I wanted to be seen and all these things and then I thought actually I'm not yeah. bothered about that it's not it's not really about that for me and that's why I think I held off doing anything like podcasts and like pushing yeah. the social media so I always was a bit like, oh, I don't really know. And it's only when it clicked that actually if it helps people, yeah. oh, I feel a bit more comfortable about doing that now. Yeah. Which sounds really weird because obviously I put my training pictures on. So <laughs> <laughs> here I am, here yeah. I am. Yeah. So again, it's that double-edged sword thing. But in terms of wanting to sort of, um, you know, take over the world or be, yeah. move up the career ladder, not and I'm not bothered. Give me a beach. Yeah. Some dogs, yeah, a nice house, a tiny little, you know, a little cottage, and I very often think I would have made a great cave dweller. Very often, just want to escape. I swear, there's there's a part of my brain. If I if I dropped a lottery win, I would be cabin in the woods. Yeah, me too. With 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 dogs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've no um, yeah, it's I've no aspirations of. Social climbing. No. Yeah. I can't. No. Well, it took me a long while to get there because, like I say, society tells you this. Yeah, but you I got worked. Do more. You, got to do you got to do more because it's rewarding. Yeah. Oh, how is it rewarding? Well, look at the money you get. You're going to get pay rise. You're yeah. going to get status. You're going to get position. But it, there's it, there's no emotional reward. No, exactly, and that's the most important thing. And I do this now. Yeah. You know, I'll go into a classroom and I'll get. Sometimes I get like your people come to me afterwards. You know, God, thank you for doing that. Yeah. Can I come and speak to you afterwards about this? Because you've really helped. This has opened up doors for me. You don't know how you've much this means just to outlook. Yeah, and for me to walk away without going, I've actually made a difference in somebody's life. That's the that's the biggest thing. Yeah. That that is job satisfaction. Like, yeah, it's so much more than any pay rise. It, it really Although is. if any of my bosses are listening to this <laughs> He will take one. But I will take one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, this is not me saying I'm going to do this for free, by the way. No. Um, yeah, we've all got to live. We have, we have got to live, yeah. And that's the other thing as well, you know, that thing about you can provide a service to people and it's okay to be paid for it. Yeah. You know, but we don't, you've got to live. Yeah. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. But you when you do a job that you really, really enjoy, I mean, very often with the the recovery stuff, obviously, you know, we have coaches in, pay the coaches, and um, we get the funding, and we run it on a shoestring. Yeah. But I'll do, like, loads of hours where, you know, I'll go to meetings, and I'll go and see people and things, and I do that because I love it. Yeah. Like, and I, I feel like I want to make a change, and I want to be involved in it, and so yeah. that's what I do. Um, But going back to what you said about changing young people's lives, where they feel like 
it's drummed into them like you've got to do this at school and then you've got to, you know oh. the, the pressure of of schools my second child yeah um ashton yeah oh you bless him he um so with your first child i think you're all in you're like you've got to read by this age you've got to walk you've yeah. got to do this and then you've got to get your GCSEs, and you've got to get a good job i'll never forget my man saying to me oh she's got a good job she has I was yeah. like, oh what she do she works in the bank oh, oh. the dream now hang on for yeah. anyone shoots down in flames if you work in a bank that is not me saying it's you know not yeah. the dream job it's courses for courses yeah what the point is that my nan was very, you know, you have to be in a bank or in a solicitor's yeah. or you have to have a job of um, societal norms, I yeah. would say. Yeah. And so when I was like, well, I'm going to go and work on a ranch in America and then yeah. I'm going to go and dance in Ibiza and then I'm going to do this. Yeah. I, thought, I think she's like, oh, good God. Like, what is she doing? Yeah. But um, because I was quite a free spirit in them days, um, I thought with Reese, I was like, no, I'm going to try and mould him and yeah. make him into, you know, he's got to get his exams. And I was proper stressy. Like, and a lot of the other mums will say the same thing. First child, you're like, oh my God, he's got to get his, you know, yeah. his results. And then with the second one, you're like, do you know what, mate? Yeah. Just do what you want to do. Like, yeah. do your best and then you'll find your way. And I'm not going to put pressure on you when you're 15 or 16 because some of the most interesting people I know are in the 50s and still haven't got a clue what, what they want to do. do. <laughs> And, you know, but the creatives, they've got big hearts, yeah. you know, they love travel. Yeah. Um, if if my kids ever asked me and there was a choice, yeah. should I spend the money on this or this? And it was a choice between, I don't know, like a, a house and going and seeing the world. I'd be like, go, off you go. Well, do you know what, Carrie? When the, the, the day that you're buried <laughs> or the day of your funeral, yeah. no one stands up in front of the church reading out your bank balance. No, they don't. No one talks about the size of your house. No. They talk about how you were as a person. Yeah. And your experiences you know. and things like that. Because I remember my dad when he was um, on his deathbed blessing. And the th one of the things that really struck me as sad was the fact that he was, you know, he died with money in his bank. He was he was asking me about, you know, is there enough money in there to, to cover the, the gas and the electric and stuff? I thought to myself there at that point, there was a lot of eye-opening moments for me on that yeah. path with my dad. Obviously, watching him come to terms with his own mortality and all the rest of it, you see what people actually realize on the deathbed yeah because i went through it with him yeah I sat with him and you know to die with money in your bank is the like it just it just really like shows you how ridiculous it is like yeah. spend your bloody money enjoy yeah. it and stuff that he regretted was all life stuff where he should have took chances yeah you know and that makes me a little bit reckless <laughs> at yeah. times it does yeah because there's got to be some common sense hasn't there where you know you've got to maintain balance and you need to live your life the best you can but i think you've got to take risks sometimes and you've you got to throw caution to the wind and, and it is it's that vulnerability yeah and sometimes it's the, the wrong decision and then you you know you pick up the pieces afterwards yeah. but like when i was younger i don't regret any of those decisions that no. i made about going to i mean when i was doing my a levels and with the option come up to go to america because i got that audition and then got the part um college said to my dad like she's she's going in the middle of her exams this is going to be a disaster for her mm. and i remember going walking on my own because my dad again god rest his soul he was like i'm it's up to you yeah. you do what you want to do yeah i went walking to try and decide and i remember like the tug of war in my brain 
stay and do this. But then this is not rich and it's rubbish. Yeah. Or should I go to America and it's, you know, I'm going to work out there and it'll be paid. And my brain even then was like, just go to America. Yeah. Like exams, you can do them again. And and it turned out all right anyway. I think I missed one of them and then I could do it another time. But all the things where I, where society would have said to me, that is a bad idea. Yeah. Don't do that. Like leaving uni to go and work in Ibiza. Yeah. Best time of my life. Yeah. All those chances that I took that would have probably been frowned upon. I'm sure they were. Yeah. I'm sure people thought I'd lost my mind. I know. And it's kind of like I've always, I mean, I personally have always fought against that societal norms. Yeah. But I that's mean, good I'm, for your mental health to well, just yeah. push against it and go, no, I'm doing this. Do you know one of my favourite words is defiance? Yeah. And I think there's always been a part of my mentality that was like, no. I'm not going to be like everybody. I don't want to be. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. You've got to. You've got to get the job. You've got to get the qualification. You've got to get the degree. You've got to get the job. You've got to get the wife. You've got to have the kids. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not. Because those sort of situations, if you don't want to be in those situations, that will make you ill. Yeah. If you're having to be in a situation which makes you unhappy, which eventually it will. Yeah. Force yourself into doing that. The amount of people I think I've met through my life who've got a partner they never really wanted, kids they never really planned for, yeah. a mortgage that's that's pulling them down because society says you've got to have the bigger house, yeah. you've got to have the holidays, you've got to have the car, yeah, you've got to do it. Yeah, why haven't you got a new phone? Oh, you're not going to get a new phone yet? Oh, oh what's God. your new phone do? The, exactly the yeah. same as the old phone. It's the amount of conversations I have like that, and they're like, what's your phone? I'm like, I couldn't even tell you. It's so old. Yeah. Craig forces me to upgrade, and I'm like, get off my phone. No, I wouldn't. I'm not bothered. I've changed mine recently, only because the charging port I don't even know what this is, Mike. Don't even know. I mean, it's, look at it's this It's an iPhone. Mess. Yeah, but... It's definitely an iPhone. It's, it's got an Apple Samsung. It's, it's old. It is old. It is old. It's knackered. Yeah. And I'm not bothered. If it didn't start playing silly buggers when it, you yeah. know, when it's so old, we start... Yeah. Knocking you offline, things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that didn't happen, I doubt very much would change it. Yeah. I'll just stick with it. I know. And I was, I used to be a slave to that. Really? Used to be a slave Did to you? that. Yeah. Because it was like, I, f- I fell into those traps of, this is what you need to be happy. Yeah. You know, I've spent far too much money in my life on rubbish. See, here's the, here's the other side of what we've talked about before with mm-hmm. the cyclothymia. Yeah. Right? So I talked about the lows, didn't talk about the highs. Which, in some respects, can be great because I'm a creative. Yeah. So yeah, I do. I do this new podcast with you. Um, I'm reviving a podcast. This hopefully this might be breaking news for some of you. <laughs> I, I I ran a podcast for a which I started in in lockdown called Wolfstag, which I stopped doing two years ago. But I'm going to revive it. So you'll see the first episode of that coming soon. You know, I write poetry. You having guests on? Do you want me on? Yeah, why not? Oh, I've got loads to say. I say, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, You've got enough of a forum, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, I haven't picked up my paintbrushes and my pencils in a little while, but, you know, paint and draw, that was something yeah. I always loved to do. You know, write, just, you know, be creative. You know, and it makes me a little bit prone to um, to impulses, though. impulse control sometimes. Yeah. If I'm in a cyclothymic eye, I've got to take Amazon off my phone. Otherwise, I'll buy random buying stuff. stuff. right. Oh, and I, my life is littered with just buying stuff I didn't need because it was like... Postman, very busy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was like that. I was like that rhesus monkey looking for the <laughs> looking for the peanut, right? Press the lever, press the lever, press yeah, the lever, yeah. press the lever. Buy it, buy it. Buy it, buy it, you know, and the stuff would come. And I was like, I didn't need this. And when that cycle ends, so that all... Yeah. Do you stop being as creative and then, is, like, does it spur you on to have those 
bursts of like, I'm going to do some art, I'm going to do writing. Because I, I get like that yeah. sometimes. I mean, obviously, I don't have, I don't know if I have any conditions, but I go through phases where I want to do drawing or I want to write a lot. Well, I started writing a novel. I'm about 30,000 words into a novel, but it's kind of like, it's got to be when the mood takes. Okay really which is why i struggle with it because then i'll change my mind yes about what the story is if i leave it too long yeah so i need to need to have a bit of self-discipline in that and find the time to actually sit down and do it but that's where the poetry worked yeah because the poetry will just be these little short little short bursts of just inspiration that come to me which usually happen around about two o'clock in the morning bizarrely it's funny isn't it i I, wrote some cracking poetry and one died in the middle of the night in the middle of the night so i I released two books of poetry. That's right, yes. Over lockdown. Yeah. So there's about 120, yeah, there's about 60 in each book, 120 poems in total. And the vast majority of those were written. I want you to bring them in. Okay. So we can read. We'll read out. them out. Yeah. Well, if you go back to the old Wolfstag podcast, yeah. the books are still, here's what it is. <laughs> this this week's show is sponsored by. Um, you can actually, if you Google Wolfstag on, on Amazon, you'll find the two books on there. So the first one's called Wolfstag Poetry and Words. The second one's called The Plain Leaves at Six. Um, and I've written more since the back, which I might get around to publishing those. Um, it kind of, it, I'm one of those people where the, where the mood takes, really. Right. Um, but yeah, when I was doing the Wolfstag podcast, I would read some of those out. So if you want to listen to any of those, you can go back to that yeah, podcast. Yeah, I do bring the book in. Yeah. Or books. Books. Yeah. Yeah, the books. And then we'll read some out. I'll, I'll, I'll give you them to read. I started writing a book years ago. Yeah. Mm, about my experiences as a child of an alcoholic, going right the way back. Oh, you guys Got quite far in it. Yeah. And then Craig had built the computer. Yeah. And it broke. <gasps> and got lost. It, and I it's not retrievable. Oh. Because that's why he builds stuff, don't you, Craig? He'll be listening to this like, oh, why have you told him? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it it's gone. And yeah. I never redid it. Yeah, I just never got around to it. But, but that's the, one of those things you yeah. know, where I get those creative bursts. Creative bursts, and you just kind of throw yeah. yourself into it. But it's so... like the dancing again for me. Yeah, that's, I, yeah, I love it. But I, I have these grandiose ideas. I packed in a job once to be a photographer. I've never really picked up a camera in my life. Why are we twins, Mike? I know. I feel like separated. I do that. My brain gets real busy. Yeah. And then I'll be like, this is what I need to do now. Now, And I have to rein myself in. Here's the problem with me. Here's my, here's always been my biggest issue. People have called me weird because of this, right? The cyclothymia gives me grandiose thoughts, Mm. ideas above my station, right? So because I have those grandiose thoughts, when I'm in one of those moods, I will think I'm the smartest person in the room, right? Maybe The high functioning, Autism yeah. sometimes means I am. Not blowing my own trumpet. Which, yeah, but I am. Yeah, <laughs> and that's kind of like, and that's that's frustrating when I can see things that in my mind are absolutely obvious that other people can't see. I never think I'm the smartest person in the room. No, ever. Well, because the see that would that was a real sort of failing of mine before I got the diagnosis, and I understood what what happens with the cyclothymine and understood why how my brain works differently with the autism. And I rein myself in from doing that. Sometimes so I, it'll happen. <laughs> it'll still, I will yeah. still catch oh, myself I'm in that. I'm going to pull you on that. If I You're see you looking idiot. at me like, ah, stupid. Yeah, I'll be like, Mike, you're being grandiose. Yeah. I sometimes think that I'm the most emotionally in tune person in the room. Yeah. But I do get that. Yeah. Like, where I look around and I'm like, mm. yeah. 
you know what? I'm a massive fan of Sherlock Holmes stuff, and it's all different. So, like Sherlock Holmes, but you know the Sherlock Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. There's a there's a line in one of those episodes where he goes, "What well, must it be like in your tiny minds?" I'm <laughs> genuinely sometimes <laughs> I'm in a room I'm like, "Must it be like in your tiny minds?" I'll tell you what it's like. Okay. <laughs> Put it this way, I'm trying to observe it now and not even yeah. give it space. It's like, okay, there's a thought. Bing. Yeah, Get there's, rid of part, it. there's part of me sometimes like, God, I wish I was stupid. Yeah. Yeah, it's a curse, mate. It's, so, it's a curse being so it's, 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 it's a curse. It's a curse being this good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got to laugh at yourself, though. Yeah, because uh, I'm sure plenty of other people are doing it at the same time as well. Oh, my God, I've got to laugh. Yeah. I, mean, I use... Well, we've, we've talked about, um, you know, humour and... and sort of laughing to get through life it's, it's a thing you know you yeah. see those things about uh, did your trauma make you stronger no but it did make me really funny um, yeah and i you've got i mean i laugh i love to laugh it's my favorite thing in the world yeah too. i think i've got quite a, quite a comedic brain yeah and yes. that, that can be a failing of mine sometimes because people will say stuff or do stuff and my gut reaction is to make the joke make the pun mine i am <laughs> i am in, in, yeah, yeah, I am. Too. I am Chandler Bing. Yeah, I will look. I will Where be the person that will like, make the inappropriate comment. Yeah, but sometimes when you say stuff or I'll say stuff, and my brain says it, yeah. and then <laughs> my mouth's going to say it, and I'm like, no, yeah, <laughs> don't do it. But all my friends are the same. Really, We're all really naughty. Yeah, in that respect, we quick witted. Yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs> See, that is sometimes... It's dangerous. It can be dangerous. Sometimes I catch myself biting my tongue sometimes. Yeah. Because sometimes the the, the, the sensor, the editor isn't there. Isn't there. But it is hilarious. Well, oh, yeah. You know, when you find your people that you can let rip with. Oh, it's, yeah. It's when great. you find your comfortable crowd <laughs> where you know full well you can let rip and, and be inappropriate. <laughs> Gary. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Uh, but it, Don't be offended by this because yeah. my brain will sort of like throw this stuff out of my mouth before it has a chance to kind of go, whoa, I've got a minute. If people are, you know, if you're not funny, oh, I, want, I want you to be funny or at least want you to laugh. Like yeah. laughter's huge, isn't yeah. it? It's a... Well, I, I kind of like sort of like when you grow up in the 80s and stuff. Remember whose line is it anyway? Mm. It was a channel. It was a comedy show on Channel 4 and it was all improv. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I fell in love with improv. Of that. I mean, I've never, I've never gone on a stage and done, you know, improvisational comedy or, uh, you know, I'd look. There's a part of my, there's a part of me that thinks, yeah, that'd be amazing to do. Yet, but well, yeah, never say no. <laughs> there's that impulse thing. There's that get, impulse like, oh, thing. I'm not, I'm gonna die one day, so I'm just gonna go for it. Yeah, but it kind of, because I kind of threw myself into watching a load of, and like watching people like Robin Williams, who yeah. is massively improvisational. Billy Connolly writes nothing down, just gets on a stage and talk. Just I'm, naturally funny. Just naturally just funny bones. I kind of just threw myself and just kind of by osmosis tried to to, to pull that in. And I think when I go out, because I'm, I'm a trainer by, by trade. Yes. What's my trade? <laughs> but I'm a trainer by trade. Yeah. And I honestly believe a lot of that is performance. Yeah, it is. It, was sound it is a, it is about getting on the stage and delivering a topic and talking about it in an entertaining way and making it entertaining for people and going off yeah. kilter sometimes, you know, yeah. to make a relevant point. Well, I mean, you have to be um, you have to be able to get people to engage with you, don't you? In yeah. That sort of job. I mean, imagine. Well, don't imagine. We've all been there. Yeah. Where you've been at a conference or something. And like, oh God. Yeah. This is going to go on and on. And, and there's the next slide. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, well, give me a storyteller. 
Yeah. Give me someone with a narrative. And that's what I've always tried to do is let's tell a story, let's build a narrative because we like that our cavemen bones want to yeah. gather around a campfire and share stories and and yeah. do that because that's how we connect and that's how we how we build. There's that thing again about um, deep conversation. Yeah. It's the same sort of thing really. Yeah. You know, it's going as deep as you can without going too deep. Yeah. Like, like I share enough. Don't share too much. Yeah. But the humour side of it, that, that definitely carries people through, doesn't it? Yeah. Got to. My best friend is hilarious. Yeah. Like, in fact, two of my best, bestest friends who've known me since I was very young, um, to the point where, like, my sides hurt, you know, and you're literally crying with laughter. Yeah. It's like that all the time. You like, find that thing that hits you where you live. Yeah, there's no, there's, but there's no level. Like, if we're together, it's chaos. Yeah. Because that, we just bounce off each other and we'll laugh, 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 laugh. Yeah. But I actually used to think, um, that the universe sent her to me when I was, because we, she came and knocked on my door and I was like seven or something like that. And my dad knew her dad, but from afar. Yeah. And um, we didn't live close by then. It was a fair old walk for us. Um, and we, I mean, if you ask her mum, her mum was very good to me. I used to sleep over there all the time. Uh, she used to be like, shut up! <laughs> like, because we would laugh all night. Like, yeah. We're just howling, howling, laughing. Yeah. And we're still the same now. Yeah. And I think, I do sometimes think, I wonder if that was like, you know, that's what got me through some of those times. Because having a friend like that, that was, because they say, don't they, laughing's really good for your body. And it like, can be. Sin. Endorphins yeah. and all those things. Psychiatrists will diagnose it now rather than yeah. giving you sort of medication. I would know, have been medication. probably lost without having her as a best friend. Oh, yeah. Who, who made me laugh so much. And I'm yeah. not talking about, <laughs> I mean, like, we roared laughing. Yeah. And we still do. So, yeah, I think, like, as random as that sounds, that probably got me through yeah. many, many years. I mean, people, people turn to lots of different things to make them feel better, you know, whether it's drugs, alcohol, mm -hmm. you know, food, whatever it is. But genuinely, I don't think there's anything in my life that really puts me in a good place than yeah. just roaring, laughing yeah. at something. You know, where the tears. Yeah. And you think to yourself, oh, when you've had it for a little while, face. you're like, yeah. oh, oh yeah. it's the best drug it really is. in the world. We went to a um, we went to a play in in, in Manchester last weekend. Um, it's called the Crown Jewels, and Al <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, look out for it. It's funny. It's Al Murray. Right. Um, Mel Gidroyts was in it, and there's a part of the with the show where they basically just come on stage and they just they just let them. This is your twenty minutes to just riff with the audience. Right. And we were tears, really, absolute tears. And you come out of there, and it just oh yeah, it does. It does. It does work wonders. Yeah. And I love people who like when they laugh, it makes you laugh. Like some people have got infectious laughs, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I start, my boys laugh at me because once I get the giggles I can't stop <laughs> and then I'll be quiet for a second and then I'll be like oh I've gone again and like the tears are fl flowing and I then it makes me laugh more because they're laughing at me because I cannot stop yeah I'm one of those laugh people yeah once I'm gone that's it that's it gone and I'll think about it all day and it'll keep coming back and making me laugh yeah um yeah it's, you sat there doing that yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> the shoulders roll yeah that's it like don't look at me because it's going to make it worse again yeah um but yeah, that so laughter and music. Yeah. They're the things. Yeah. So emotionally connecting. Mm. Those two things. And and what did you say that they sometimes prescribe it? Joy. Yeah. Pure joy. I've seen well, yeah, pure joy. <laughs> yeah. There was um 
funnily enough, I'll tell you a quick little story. A few years back now, and it was not long after I started working uh, at UFED, uh, where I am now, so it's about six, seven years ago. Um, they were asking people to send in clips of how Billy Connolly had affected their lives. So I sent in a little video clip, and it got it actually got chosen, and it got picked to go on. Um, it was the show was called Billy Connolly and Wogan. Me. Wogan. Ah, if we talked to him. Would you like to welcome to another episode of Wogan? Thank you very much. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, so it was called it was it was an ITV thing called Billy Connolly and Me. So if you if you can find it on YouTube, I actually pop up Mike from Cheshire, and I'm actually sat oh. in my car telling this story. Right. But in in that show, there was a guy that said he he went to his psychiatrist because he was struggling with depression, and he was expecting to come away with whatever you know medicine they were going to give him for that. Yeah. And now the psychiatrist went, go and get yourself a load of comedy videos. Right, go down to this. It must be going back a bit. It's like go to Blockbusters, yeah. go and get a load of stand-up DVDs, and then for an hour, at least an hour every day, put on a DVD and just watch it and laugh. Right. And he said it it, it worked. Worked for him. Yeah. Just and as it, it, it happened, the videos he picked up were were Billy Connolly stand-ups, and, and that's, that's how he ended that's up. That's how show. we ended up on that particular oh, show. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. But I do maybe. Yeah, I can see the... Well, we know the power of laughter, don't we? Well, it's got to be there for a reason, I think. Yeah. We must be about the only animal I can think of. Now that, we are, though. Yeah. yeah. There's got to be a reason why yeah. the body does that. Why have we? Why, why has evolution give us the power of humour? For me. The power of funny. For me. Because <laughs> us Brits make the best ones. For dogs in cowboy boots. Exactly. Hey, hang on. Go, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why do we find stuff humorous? I don't. I don't think there's any other... I need to Maybe some of the apes, there's evidence now where they, you know, you can show them funny things and they're kind of amazed by it or laughing. You know, yeah. there seems to be that. But generally speaking, there's the only animal on, on the planet that has that comedic, creative yeah. brain. That thinks that's funny. Funny. And it's weird. Funny is weird. It, funny, but it, it feels so good, doesn't it? Yeah. So now I'm going to be at home at Google. 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 Hang on, why? But it's weird. There's got to be an answer for it. Because you can't break down what funny is. And the trust scientists are trying to do this. Well, what's, no, what's like this? It's different for everyone as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. What is, what's the magic formula behind what's funny? And it's like you can't, you know, it's like a souffle. The moment you go near it, it collapses. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the, the moment you start to break it like down, when you try it and makes... tell a joke and you're like, oh, halfway through, this is rubbish. This <laughs> 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 I'm going to back up. You get the punchline completely yeah. wrong. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, jokes generally not funny, are they? You know, like actual jokes. Actual jokes. See, I've never been. Oh. They're not, are they? It's like forced fun. It's, it. Yeah, oh. Stop it immediately. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, don't put me in any of those situations. <laughs> Everyone have a good time. This is why I've no. always gravitated towards like the... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's miserable. She's miserable, yeah. <laughs> She's Check so her out. She's so <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, I always gravitate towards the storytellers. Yeah. That was always, you know, when you grow up, sort of like, I remember, I remember growing up, sort of like 70s and 80s, and you had TV shows, yeah. you know, with like the comedians and people like that. And it was like, my mother in law. And it's like, oh, do one. Maybe that's why we don't like parties. Because parties are organised fun, aren't they? Yeah. Perhaps that's what it is. I like spontaneous fun. Yeah, me too. That stuff that it just comes out of left field yeah. and it just ends up being, being brilliant. Because sometimes, if it's, if it's a party and it's organised and you know it's coming, you don't want to be fun. 
sometimes yeah. you don't want to do you no. <laughs> now you want me to put my fun face on and not can't be bothered i can't be bothered no and yeah. that's probably it and um yeah that that whole thing about yeah. you want me to entertain you i'm not being paid enough for that yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> God, we're never getting invited to a party again. <laughs> right, so we'll put them off the Christmas list. I can, I can hear in the sort of like the yeah. background now a load of lists going, yeah. no. We've no, ruined ourselves. No. I don't invite her. She secretly like, hates parties. Yeah. And now we know. Um, coffee break? Coffee break. Yeah. Go and on, go on put the kettle on, everybody. Make sure it's Yorkshire too. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. <laughs> My face. Um, Why did you do that face I don't then? Know. Sometimes right. I do these things. Sometimes you do weird things. Mm-hmm. Right. As of next week, mm-hmm. we're going to be having, at the very least, three people in the space. Yeah. In the room. So uh, next week we've got, and we'll do, we'll do, uh, we'll do proper instructions next week. We've got a lady called Emma who's going to be coming along, and she's going to be talking about. Um, menopause yeah it's going to be incredible a topic being a man i have literally no other than me mum went through it years yeah. ago and it's kind of like but I, I didn't talk about it much no 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 so i, I don't know what it i mean i've got a smatter yeah. i'm not stupid i'm not daft but, but this is the whole point to it isn't it but because, it's the whole point of having the conversation yeah. so i'm just going to talk about that we've got in the coming weeks we've got um a lady called claire who's going to come along she's got um she was a police officer and has worked in um, violent crime, sexual mm-hmm. offences, that sort of thing. Yeah. And has got a lot of experience there and now runs a charity sort of educating young people about um, coercion and consent and, you know, what is appropriate behaviour and stuff. So she's going to come and talk about that. You've got yoga, yoga. Yes. A yoga practitioner coming in. Yeah. Yoga, which will be really nice because we've talked about her journey and spiritual I think it might even be an idea if we can clear some tables to actually do some live podcast yoga yeah. while we're here. Yeah, that might be good. Yeah, I'll just, I, I, I need to be careful. <laughs> do, do, if that's going to happen, because if I bend, I'm of an age now, but if I bend in a certain direction, <laughs> noises yeah. emanate from me. Oh my God, you can just sit still then. I went to yoga on um, Friday night and... Um, with the said lady, yeah, and it was incredible in yeah. yoga. Um, but I haven't done yoga for so long because obviously I've weightlifting. It's just the opposite of what I want. Yeah. Oh God, I am not bendy anymore. I used to be so bendy. Well, do you know what I was going to say? Because you dance as well, and I, I just, I was going to make the assumption that it'd be easy for you because you're yeah. naturally no, flexible. I was, but then yoga just went, no, you're not. Anymore, <laughs> <laughs> you're not. Yeah. Um, so I need to add a little bit more. Of that back in, really. but I'm interested about that. I'm interested in that because I hear a lot of people who do yoga and it, they find great, you know, for their for their bodies, for the flexibility, mm-hmm. for mobility in, in in later life. And as someone who's in his early fifties and struggling with my knees at the moment, I'm like, is this? Can this give me something? Mm-hmm. So it might be an idea. And then we've got um, in coming weeks as well. We've got uh, John who's going to come in, and it's going to be that mental health conversation again. But yeah. John is someone who's going to come and talk about it from a from a men's perspective. I know I've kind of done that a bit uh, myself today. We're going to explore that conversation a little bit more. Yeah, and hopefully we'll have um, the sports broadcaster. We're just waiting for a date to get 
Yes, we have some. We've got fingers in pies, guys. Some interesting yeah. <laughs> potential guests coming up, yeah. and if we can get them, if we can get the diary uh, synced. If we can get them in the studio, yeah, on IDK and B. <laughs> that's what I'm calling it now. IDK and B. Oh, you can call it that. I won't be. I can't. That's too much for my small mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Itty witty what? what? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know much, but um, yeah. So it's going to be. I hope you stay with us. I hope you carry on listening. It's um, you know every week's going to be different every week's going to be an interesting conversation isn't it yeah it definitely is and you can always if there's anything that we've touched on tonight or mike's touched on it's obviously the one with all the knowledge from what we've discussed this evening yeah um you can always um is there a way that people can get in touch with you yeah we're going to come up with what we don't have at the moment is uh, an email address yeah. but i think we're going to create one we'll, yeah. we'll put it out on on the um on the actual site so when we do our blurb about what's going to be in the episode we'll pop that in there yeah. so you can write in share your experiences you might even want to be a guest yeah you might even say i've got a really interesting job experience life whatever it might be and we'll be more than happy to hear from you you might even have a little uh i don't know much but that you just want to share with us and we can read those yeah. out maybe we'll do a week of that we'll do a, yeah. we'll do a we'll do a whole week of just yeah. sharing your story so if you have anything yeah. like that i'll be we'll be fascinated to hear yeah. from you um but if yeah if you want to get involved please do that and we'll let you know what that email address is coming up very shortly if you like the podcast uh likers uh raters subscribe share us across your social media so if there's anybody out there you think might be interested or maybe they've just got like an hour and a half to kill because we talk don't we <laughs> an hour and a half. oh my words Cut it, cut it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to be like Edward Scissorhands with this, yeah. but come Thursday. Um, but no, um, it's, it's as always. It's been a pleasure again. It's been, yeah, it's been an absolute joy. Thank you for listening. Really enjoyed it. Pleasure. See you next week. You will. Thank you for listening to I Don't Know Much But. Please subscribe and rate wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help. A big thank you to Hazel, Tara and all the staff at Safety Central. If you get the chance to go and visit them, please do. Your hosts were Michael Jones and Carrie-Anne Stevens. Production was by Michael Jones. The theme music is Into the Beginning by Hartsman. This has been a Wolfstock production for the Acast Creator Network.